this season on The Babysitter. My name is Brooke, I have two boys, and I'm so excited to be on this journey. It's crazy to think that one of these incredible girls is gonna be babysitting my kids. Oh, nice to meet nice you. To meet you. <laughs> I would love to be your babysitter. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I can really see myself hiring one of these girls when it's all over. Pretty. Do I have experience? No. But I have lots of nieces and nephews. We are going to get along like peanut butter and jelly. There's crust on this. Pack your bags, we're going to the park. <laughs> I'm so excited to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with the girls. <laughs> I just didn't think I'd have a connection with this many of the girls. So cute. Hey. Can I steal you for a sec? Sure. Thanks. Sorry. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make $15 an hour. So, what are they doing? I think they're going over emergency contact info. No. Okay, I don't want to gossip, but there are some girls here who are not here for the right reasons. One of these girls is really starting to stand out. Are you loading the dishes? Oh yeah, I already did the laundry. I hope that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. I think I'm falling for Cindy. I'd love to spend more time with the boys. How about this Saturday? Oh, I don't do weekends. I thought you knew. Hold on, I need a minute. Ladies, Brooke, this is the final sippy cup. When you're ready. Wait, where's Sarah M? She canceled last minute. I'm just so scared I'm gonna go through this whole process and end up alone. Not right now. With my kids. I think you know what you need to do now. On the most dramatic season ever of The Babysitter. I just knew. I just wanted the kids to like me. Now you pat the bunny. Isabel's been in there long enough. I'm going in. No, it's my turn! Yeah. Ow! So much harder than I thought it was gonna be. Dirty diaper, dirty, what do I do? Help! I'm gonna have to use my in-laws. <laughs> Will you accept the keys to my minivan? The babysitter. I forgot the words to if you're happy and you know it. Hello, isn't that video hilarious? The first time I saw it, I immediately sent it to Pastor Ryan and I was like, can we please have this as the openers for Mother Day weekend? It's true though, though it's a little bit funny and it's a little bit silly, it is a serious issue for us mamas to find somebody that we trust to watch our babies, right? And then sometimes we just don't care that much and we just like, whoever, anyone off the street? Can I find anyone, please? Or you just leave, you just walk out the door crying, right? But let me welcome you this day, this weekend, to Mother's Day at Life Church. I try not to celebrate just the mamas, but all women here at Life Church. No matter your age or your station in life, I want you to feel this weekend that you are celebrated and that you are loved. My message of women's empowerment for this weekend actually started on Friday night. I had the first of what I hope to be many beautiful nights here at 
Life Church. It was an event just for women that I hosted, and I asked my friend Dory Donaldson if she would come and speak to the women about her program that she started at Convoy of Hope, and it's a women's empowerment movement called Convoy Women. And she talked about how women all over the world are breaking down the barriers that they face and allowing themselves to be used by God to change their families and their communities. I've noticed in this world that this, this world has this way of making us women feel like pretty little add-ons to life. Like we're just a bit of sprinkles on a cupcake. And really, I mean, who doesn't love sprinkles, right? But... We are so much more than just sprinkles. You are a daughter of the Most High King. He gave you a purpose. He created you with a mission. He is empowering you to change the world in which you live. To help you remember this message this weekend, I made, a couple of days ago, I sat down and I bought these little tiny vials, glass vials, and I filled them full of sprinkles for you. So each one of you, as you walk out the doors today, each woman, you will receive this tiny little vial of sprinkles. And you'll also receive a handwritten card. On Wednesday night, a group of Life Church women got together and we hand wrote you a card. And we prayed over it and we gave it a lot of love and it's our gift to you this weekend. My focus of women's empowerment started a couple of months ago when I started reading um, these, these two books that I'm going to mention in a minute. And I've really taken the message, the theme of women's empowerment from these books, and I've incorporated it into this message. So the first book is called More Than Enchanting, and it is by Joe Saxton. And then the second one is called Girl Defined, and it is by sisters Bethany Baird and Kristen Clark. These sisters have a blog and an Instagram account that if you are a mom or you are a daughter, you're a woman at all, you need to go on and, and find their blog, Girl Defined, and follow them. They have great ways of living out being a Christian girl, a Christian woman in this world today. Both of these books are available for you at the Resource Center for your convenience. These two books so rocked my world that I knew that that's what I had to make for the theme for this weekend, that my message had to be about women's empowerment. Our world is becoming increasingly hostile to Christians, but also to Christian women. Our voice, it's being marginalized and it's being pushed aside. The sad thing is, is that it's being done so more by fellow women, by fellow sisters. They have put us in a box, as Christian women in a box, and they have pushed us to the side. One of my concerns is how do we teach and train this younger generation of daughters to own their voice in Christ? How do we, as women, find that voice and feel empowered to use it? In the book, Girl Defined, the sisters Clark and Baird talk about how modern femininity and how it's selling to this younger generation a lie or a counterfeit. This world of celebrities and bloggers and the secular media is telling them that they need to be concerned about how they look and if it's sexy enough, if they're exuding a false confidence, and if they're remaining independent of men. These people say that if they do just as they do, that we will find the happiness and fulfillment that we so long for and we desire. 
but will we really? No, because it's a lie. It's a counterfeit. The enemy is telling this generation to come that they need to know to be known that they have to march and they have to protest to be heard and to make a way. The book continues on by highlighting three parts of this overall lie that I want to share with you today. It's the lie of liberation, it's the lie of independence, and it's the lie of sexual freedom. I want to take a moment and kind of talk about each one of those before I get into the message today. The first lie, the liberation lie, pushes this idea that we have to be equal to men, that women need to have the same purpose as men, that we must be free of men. But that's not what God's design for women is. We are not the same. We are just as valuable, and yes, we are important, but we are not men. I don't want to be a man. I want to be exactly what God created and designed for me to be. I want to be a woman, and I want to own who I am. Are you owning your womanhood? Own it. Own who you are today. The second lie of the enemy that is being sold to our daughters in this next generation is that of independence, that they must be considered highly successful, powerful, and strong. And I'm all about strong and powerful women. Erin and I raised our daughters to be that, to be strong and independent, that they didn't have to have a man to fulfill the call that God had on their life. Modern culture encourages our daughters these, and, our, and women today that they must pursue what they want when they want it. But if you are a Christ follower today, you gave up that right. You follow what Paul says in Galatians 2.20, and that states that you have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer you that lives, but it's Christ that lives in you. It's not about what you want. It's about what he wants for you and the power that is given to you through Christ. The last lie the enemy tries to sell is this is sexual freedom. And boy, oh boy, this is a hot one right now, isn't it? It is being pushed and pulled at us, and it's an intense fight that they feel, girls in this generation feel like they have to be liked, they have to be accepted, they must be beautiful, and what that idea that the world says beauty is, and that when we have these things, that's where our security and our value is found. It says to flaunt your body, your sexuality, and that proves that you're confident and that you have worth. This world says that real women, they're sexy, they're hot, they're free, they're edgy, and they're wild. But I think it's time that we need to rethink what liberated, independent, and being a woman really is. Plus, what does God say about us as women? What does he think about us being empowered and us being strong and us having a voice? I want to showcase three women to you today, two Old Testament and one New Testament. One of them is married with kids. The other is next. The next one is married with a dual career in government and in ministry. And the last is single with a career in business and church planting. I think as women, God wants us to have it all, and we can have it all. It was never his plan to hold us back or to keep us from what he has placed in our hearts to do. 
I think we have to go to the very beginning to get the full understanding of what God really has for us as women, how he wants to empower us, the role models that he gave to show us that he believes in us, that he wants us to be empowered and he wants us to be world changers. The first role model is Eve. She was the perfect, she was the first, she was the ultimate beauty. All other women try to duplicate her. She is the most influential woman in all of history. She was the first woman, wife, mother, clothing designer, teacher, chef, budgeter, interior designer, crafter, mother-in-law. She was the first mother of a rebellious child, the first mother of a child that was murdered, and the first mother to a child that committed murder. But none of these things are what she is associated with. She is remembered for one thing and one thing only. And yes, that one thing, it's huge. It's life-altering. It has changed all of mankind. But it is not who she was. Yes, she was the first to sin. She made a great mistake. And that mistake has defined her because that is exactly what sin wants to do to you. It wants to label you. It wants to label you a failure. It wants to label you a mistake. It wants to label you that you're no good and that you're not worthy. It was Tuesday morning and I was getting ready, just a regular morning. Aaron was gone with his mom on her Mother's Day trip and Ava was at school and I was just getting my day going and the Lord really just stopped me in my tracks. He really just got a hold of me and he said, I need you to change your Eve portion of your message. And I said, whoa, 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 uh-uh, no, 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 you know this isn't my gig, I don't enjoy this, this isn't in my, my gift wheel, I'm not, you know, this isn't what I like to do, I only do this on Mother's Day because Aaron pressures me to do it. I really, please, Scott, you know, we worked this out six weeks ago. We had this message planned. You told me this is what you wanted. Come on. I'm, I'm starting to sweat now. I'm just, I'm not comfortable with this. And he goes, it's not about you. Okay, great, thanks. You're right. Okay, talk about being humbled. And he goes, this needs to be said for a woman. There need, there's a woman that needs to hear this message that I want you to say today. There's a woman that's struggling with this today, and she needs to overcome it. And I want her to know that the message was changed today just for her. And I was like, oh, great. Okay, here I go. I'll step out, and I'll be your voice today. So here's what I felt God is saying to you today. Stop letting your past, your mistakes, your failures, and your sin define your today and your future. You're holding back from what he has for you because you cannot get over the things that you've done. Stop it. Stop. Every time you don't move forward or you sit in the seat of the errors of your past, you are letting the enemy win. 
You have to stop believing the lies that the enemy is spewing to destroy your future. That's a powerful word for you today. I hope that you receive it and you know that it is given in love today. Sure, Eve could have let her mistake, her big, whopping, huge mistake, define her future. But she didn't. She didn't just sit down and give up. She went on and she bore children and she worked just like God had told her to. In Genesis 1.28, God told her and Adam this. Have a lot of children. Fill the earth with people and bring it under your control. Rule the fish of the, of the ocean and the birds in the sky and every animal on earth. You see, Eve didn't stop living. She didn't stop believing in what God had told her to do. And neither should you. My Eve challenge to you today is this. Is it time for you, if you haven't already, to ask for forgiveness and to receive it? It's sometimes easy to ask for the, for the forgiveness, but it's a hard thing to receive it and then even harder to move on. How are you doing today, daughter of Eve? Are you struggling with who you are? It's time to fully embrace your womanhood and join in this race. The generations to come desperately need to see you owning your role as a strong and confident daughter of Eve. Our second role model is that of Deborah, and her story is found in Judges 4 and 5. I won't read those two chapters for you. I'm just going to highlight for you in Judges 4, verses 4 and 5, where it gives the description of who Deborah is. Deborah, the wife of Libidoth, was a prophet and a leader of Israel during those days. She would sit under Deborah's palm tree in the hill country of Ephraim, where Israelites would come and ask her to settle their legal cases. You see, Deborah was a very influential woman. She was a powerful woman. She was a prophet, a wife, and a judge for Israel. She was very busy. She was highly respected in the northern Israel community. And no other judge or leader of Israel is listed as a woman, only Deborah. This world tries to tell us that there's this glass ceiling that women need to break and that we haven't broke it yet, and, and we need to keep pushing and moving women forward. I'm here to tell you today that thousands of years ago, that glass ceiling was destroyed. Deborah was a leader of a nation. She had a leadership gift, and her gift was a charismatic leader to the, that, that God used to his people, and he used her to help them spiritually and politically. Her leadership role of prophet and judge was used to defeat the Canaanites. God used Deborah to rebuild her nation and to restore it to a respected community and established peace in that community for 40 years. Deborah had some very unique relationships that she had to navigate in her time which makes her an incredible, relatable woman for us today. If you are in corporate leadership, business leadership, if you own your own business, if you are in the political world at all, Deborah needs to be your go-to girl. You need to study her. You need to know her. You need to research her because she navigated her world. 
She was secure in who she was. And when she spoke to the military leader, Barack, she was confident in what God spoke to her and was able to communicate it in such a way that was not overly demanding or a word that I do not like, but bossy. Deborah was self-aware and she was self-confident and she was assertive, all the while still being a modest woman of God. She was bold enough, strong enough to step out of the shadows and into a leadership role that was not common for women in her time. We have to remember that this role that she was placed in by God was special and very unique for her. She was an obedient servant, and she used her spiritual discernment to bless her people. She was a woman who balanced her many roles in life, and she served the Lord in all of her callings. My Deborah challenge to you today is, do you own your calling? Do you know your calling? What is your calling in the church and in the community? What is your community? For each woman your community looks completely different. Are you owning your natural God-given gifts, talents, and abilities? Are you owning your leadership? Stop holding back. Are you moving his kingdom forward? Are you advancing? Deborah na navigated her leadership gifts all the while maintaining her womanhood. And if she can do it, I know you and I can as well. The next role model is Lydia. And her life story is found in Acts 16, 13 through 15. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to a place by the river where we thought there would be a Jewish meeting place of prayer. We sat down and talked with the women who came. One of them was Lydia, who sold expensive purple cloth. She was a worshiper of the Lord God, and he made her willing to accept what Paul was saying. Then after, then after she and her household were baptized, she kept begging us, If you think I really do have faith in the Lord, come and stay in my home. In these few verses, we learn quite a bit about Lydia's life and her beginning as a Christ follower. We have a lot to be thankful for in Lydia. She is the first convert in Europe, and she opens the door for the gospel moving forward into Europe. Lydia was an entrepreneur. She was a prominent woman. For her to step out and become a Christ follower was a huge financial risk for her and for her employees in her household. She was an independent, successful, and single businesswoman. We learn that she is a spiritual woman but not a follower of Christ until her meeting with Paul. She was longing for more spiritual insight and knowledge, joining others by the river to pray and to grow in her faith. And it just so happens, along comes Paul, and he completely rocks and changes her world. What I enjoy about Lydia is that she wasted no time. She immediately asked Paul to water baptize her, and then she went out and she told her household. She told her employees, and they followed. They came and they received Christ, and they were water baptized. Lydia also opened her home to missionaries and hosted the church in her home. The first home church to appear in Europe 
was led by a woman. At Life Church, we believe in women in ministry. It is a passion of mine to see women know their call that God has placed on their heart for vocational ministry and for them to go out and do it, to pursue it. That's what I love about the Life Church, um, the Life, the Leadership College here at church, and, and those women that have accepted that call. We believe in women in ministry. I love that about this church. But Lydia didn't just stop her business to take care of the church, but she knew where her profits and her talents could be best used. She had direction, and she knew now why God had blessed her business and her abilities. Lydia aligned her gift of business to that with the church to effectively create a greater kingdom impact, and the church moved forward into Europe. My Lydia challenge for you today is, do you know and understand your sphere of influence? Are you living a life fully surrendered to God? Are you allowing him to use your gifts and talents to draw others in? You might be alone in your faith. You might be in a dark place. You may be the only one in your school that knows Christ. You may be the only one in your workplace that lives for Christ. You may be alone in your home. But how are you shining for him today? How are you shining into those dark places? Are you allowing him to use the gifts that he has given you, your talents and your strengths. I've just talked about three women that completely stepped out of their preferred roles that were placed on women, and God used them in mighty ways to change their world. It's even changing our world today as we learn about them and we read about them and we apply what they have been taught, what God instilled in them, and we apply it to our own lives. I close today with this. It's time that we, as women, need to own our God-given identity and to walk out our calling and to build our character. While preparing for this message, I found a book amongst my many stacks of books that I have, and it's titled, When Others Shuddered. Eight Women Who Refused to Give Up. It's by Jamie Genos. This book lists eight women, eight Christian women that lived their lives totally and completely sold out for Christ. They had a fiery resolve to keep following Jesus with an uncompromising commitment. But what makes me sad and, and a little bit mad about this book and about these women is that they lived from 1820 to 1955. And it got me thinking, who are they writing about today? Who is leading the way for the generation to come? What great women are blazing trails for Christ? Immediately I thought of Bobby Houston and she and her husband pastored the Hillsong Church and she has these global conferences, color conferences for women all over the world. And she is changing the way women see themselves. She's helping women find their voice. And then I thought of Christine Kane 
in her A21 campaign and how she has opened the eyes of the church to human trafficking, to sex trafficking, and how the light has been shown into that dark, dark world. I then thought of Beth Moore. Thank God for Beth Moore. She has studied the word and made the word come alive to hundreds of thousands of women for generation. And I thank God for her. And then there's sweet little Katie Davis. When she had just graduated high school, literally the summer after graduating high school, she left her home and she left her family to move to Uganda because she knew that God had called her to become a mom to those that had no mom. She is feeding and educating thousands of Uganda children. She has adopted dozens of girls. But then I think, who else? Who else? Who else is there? Is it you? Is it your daughter? Is it your niece? Is it your mom? Is it your sister? Is it your best friend? Who? Who is going to be the ones that light the way for the generations to come? Who is going to keep moving women forward in him? Who? If you have breath in your lungs today, I believe it's you. You are going to be the ones. We are going to go out and we are going to keep empowering women for Christ. Sure, I may never have a book written about me. I may never be the subject of a movie. But who am I investing in? Who am I loving forward? Where are my gifts and my talents and my abilities being used? There's a verse I want to close with, and it's found in Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so, so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Will you join me in running this race? Not for ourselves, but for the future, for our daughters and our granddaughters and our nieces and our sisters and the great women that are to come. Eve, Deborah, and Lydia, and many, many others are in that great cloud, and they are cheering us on today. They are empowering us today.